just a quick warning that we will be discussing the most intense things ever. So there's going to be talk of murder, abuse, very, very toxic masculinity, maybe toxic femininity, uh, sexual abuse, child abuse, pedophilia, torture, hooks, blood, weird patriarchal conceptions of virginity, Eve, and how every single thing is apparently her fault and she's ruined the world. So, so much stuff. So this episode is definitely not a light one. And if you're sensitive to any of these topics, please skip these episodes. Mercy me, the night is long. Mercy me, the night is long. Welcome to A Hopeless Endeavor, a Joanna Newsom podcast. This is part five, the final part of Go Long after an entire month and a bit of Go Long discussion. So we hope you guys enjoy and it's Occident next week. Okay, bye. Okay, here, I'll read the first then. Let's just get to it. If that's okay. If you're done with the, okay. So then she sings. When you leave me alone in this old palace of yours, it starts to get to me. I take to walking. What a woman does is open doors, and it is not a question of locking or unlocking. Oh, why is it so good? It's so good. Wow. Okay. Wow. I like distinctly remember the first time I heard that line because I was like, oh my God. Oh my God. Like, that is, it was just such an immediate standout line. And I think this is something you've said before that like Joanna Newsom writes in a way that makes me understand my own experience of a woman identifying person uh, yes. more than I ever could have by myself. Like yes. you are outlining the things that I know about myself before I knew them. Like it's yes. just fucking ridiculous. Man, exactly. It is fucking ridiculous, but like, Jesus, it's so important to like my literal identity as a person, yeah. like as a woman, like, and, and also what I really appreciate about this line, like coming from our perspective right now is that like here, I love it whenever Joanna just explicitly says like, I'm talking about what it means to be a woman mm-hmm. because I feel like 99% of the rest of the time, like at least for me when I'm analyzing the lyrics, I'm inserting all this gender stuff, um, which I think is actually there. Like I'm not just trying to insert the gender stuff, but, but this feels so validating when she is just directly saying to us what a woman does like she's just bringing gender into the picture in an explicit way that makes me feel good and it's something that can't be helped it's something that is in this context at least innate and necessary and you know allows our narrator to move the fuck on like as brutal as the next few verses are it's like the first step in removing yourself from this awful situation in the blessing all the birds post on bluebeard's egg uh melissa writes when the narrator in go long proclaims that what a woman does is open doors it is not a question of locking or unlocking she understands that women do not have the power to lock or unlock the doors to the realm of masculinity because femininity is about powerlessness because women do not have any power in this world but a woman opens doors because she will always be discontent with her femininity and its ties to powerlessness. Newsom's narrator hopes that women do not take their subjugation lightly. Like Melissa, you can also write some shit. That's just so good. Yeah. I really like that. I really also like, I, to me, this, these lines give me the vibe of like, listen, this whole like fucking story about Bluebeard. There's this like other facade happening here where like we're all pretending it's about the key, like, oh, the woman does the unlocking and this is the big deal. And like and here Joanna's just like, Nope. Like it's it's that's another facade that we're talking about. That's another whole like story that we're placing on, but like that is not what this is about. It's not about the unlocking. It's about like the discovering, the like l- 
yeah, like, like looking for a change sort of not the fact that it was fucking locked. Cause it wasn't really like you gave me the key. It's not about the unlocking. That's such a fucking important point, Nikki, that this in all of these stories about Bluebeard, all of these tales purport that the key is the problem here, but it's not the fucking problem. It's the room no. of gilded teeth. It's the room yes. with the multiple skeletons. It's the, uh, the actions of this man to do these fucking awful, violent, terrible, unforgivable things. Yes. And to play it off as as if it's the key just shifts that that weight of responsibility to our narrator. And that's not it at all. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's not it at all. And it's not even a, so like if we're if we're thinking about the chamber as being representative in some way of like either like the dude's true nature or like his mind, like in the um, in Bluebeard's egg with Edward, um, like there like I don't know how much this is true but I'm thinking like there could be this narrative where like this like women have this like special ability to like tap into like the brains of men or like we're able to like pull out things from men that like otherwise wouldn't be revealed and like this to me also seems like a rejection of that point where it's like nope it's just a matter of fucking looking and like there's the there's the terror is like in opening the door in looking it's not like the deciphering that i'm doing it's not my like feminine wiles that's getting that's like uncovering feminine wiles just there ridiculous (laughs) phrase too like jesus yeah I'm just like skimming the Angela Carter story because I guess I haven't read it <laughs> enough in these last like few weeks. Yeah. But there's such an important line here that I don't think we've mentioned before. Mm. So it's the scene where the husband returns home. He finds out what she has done. Um, the mark of the key and blood is on her forehead. And there's two lines that I think are important here. The first is... Um, the monocle had fallen, so he's just discovering what she has purportedly done. Um, the monocle had fallen from his face. His curling mane was disordered as if he had run his hands through it in his distraction. I saw how he had lost his impassivity and was now filled with suppressed excitement. She goes on to say, um, The face that turned towards me contained a somber delirium that seemed to me compounded of a ghastly yet, ghastly yes, shame, but also of a terrible guilty joy. As he put the key back on the ring, he sighed heavily as he had done when I said that I would marry him. So, and I know we know this, but like, (laughs) that he has the same reaction to... Uh, finding out she opened the chamber as he does when she said she would marry him is fucking so awful. It's so awful. It's yes, so, so heavy. And I think speaks so much to this pattern of violence of this man. um, Yes. In this tale, Uh, heavy size. Ugh. Ugh. It makes me so much think of the line in No Provenance where Joanna says, and you with your arrangement with fate. That's exactly it. Yes. You fucking knew this was coming. This was all so predictable to you. And like you made off as though this were like a novel thing, this like novel endeavor that we were both embarking upon. But like, that's not what was happening here. You, you watched me fail as you knew I fucking would. Like, you orchestrated it. Exactly. That's your arrangement with fate. Which makes me think of that line in Sawdust and Diamonds, too. I know what, I know. we talked about the wires, the wires, the wires. And in this retelling, it is him who is uh, orchestrating the movements of all of these wires. And he knows the roles so well because he's done it so many times before. Yeah. You know, it's like um, someone who... Uh, knows exactly which steps, uh, knows all of the possibilities, has like mapped out on their walls, like exactly what steps to take, like exactly what to say. Oh, if she says this, then I'll do that. If they do this, then I'll do that. 
um, to such an extent that there is no way out of it. Like, um, even if she hadn't opened the door, the same shit would have happened. And all the while pretending that, like, I'm just on the same page as you. Like, we're just getting through this together. And, like, I'm pretending that, like, this is, there is no plan. When, like, there is such a plan. Like, you. (laughs) It's an awful, disgusting, terrible, horrible plan. But it's written. Like. You've thought this through. You've thought this through. Yeah. Yeah. Every scenario. Oh. Like, you already know how this story goes, and I didn't, and there's such a difference there in, like, that that power, yeah. that privilege uh, of being the orchestrator, exactly. Yeah, that power is such an important point, too, that it is yeah. someone who has more power wielding it over someone else. Yeah. Blech. Yuck. Um... I also love just at the beginning of this verse is a direct allusion to the Bluebeard stuff again. Like when you leave me alone in this old palace of yours, mm-hmm. I feel like in every story, the woman gets left for a bit before she makes this terrible discovery. And so there's like this ominousness of the image of her getting left alone. And it this very much makes me think of the Angela Carter story because the, it starts to get to me part. Like we have our narrator in the bloody chamber like just like literally not being able to deal (laughs) like she cannot handle being left alone because she like as soon as he's gone she's like well what do I think about all the time and like what do I do with myself and I don't even want to eat anymore and I guess I'll just explore his stuff because like I am obsessed with him and dependent on him and like don't know how to center my attention if it's not around trying like focusing on trying to navigate how to deal with this man and that speaks so much to the power that he has over over her too, right? Because she is so young in the Angela Carter story. And it's like she, I think, genuinely doesn't know of any other option other than to um, listen to him, other than to uh, like play the role that he's outlined for her. Mm-hmm. She has no real-world experience. I mean, after this, she does you know yeah. <laughs> knows what to do after this but yeah um yeah also like he is portrayed as a very scary man mm-hmm. and so like oh yeah that she's obsessed with this very scary man that she lives in this palace with is like not surprising like that is another orchestrated thing i just saw a rat run by <gasps> on the like the plants outside so that's Ooh. a gift Ooh, boy. We had one that we rescued. There was a really cute one at the beginning of the summer that was hanging around and was like white and fluffy and so sweet. And we captured him and gave him a home. But um, yeah, that one was not a rescue. That was just Vancouver City Rat. Anyway. Um... I saw your face get like scared for a second. I was like, I know it's a scary, like Bluebeard is scary. (laughs) (laughs) I don't have my glasses on. And I was like, it's a squirrel. It's a squirrel. Oh, it's not a squirrel. (laughs) That tail is not, it's not, it's not a squirrel tail. Um, for some reason, the walking line I take to walking makes me think of the Angela Carter story too, but I don't know why other than the fact that she's just like roaming around the palace. I don't think she actually goes for a walk or anything on the beach. Uh, I don't think she goes for a walk on the beach, but she does like explore every room in the house. Yeah, yeah. Um, and especially the chamber room. Yes, um, yeah. I, I just remember it being like the palace is like by the sea. And yes. for some reason I pictured her taking a walk, but I think that might be go long informing my reading of, uh, of the bloody chamber, <laughs> which is fair too, which is fair. Yeah. They're connected. Uh, do you have thought other thoughts about this verse? I don't think so. I was just scrolling through the story to kind of see what it says about her walk Mm -hmm. but I don't see what exactly um yeah no I think those are all my notes for this one okay would you like to read the next lovely verse 
Mm. <laughs> so she sings. Well, I have never seen. Now I've got it. This is the actual time. well i have never seen such a terrible room gilded with the gold teeth of the women who loved you now though i die magpie this i bequeath by any other name a j is still blue oh this is also so good i like i just i'm a broken record i'm just gonna say that after every fucking verse Mm -hmm. but but this whole middle part of go long just like is so heavy and good (laughs) yeah the gold teeth is a really interested one to me and i it's one that i don't really understand because teeth are not mentioned specifically anywhere especially gold teeth like there are some good mentions of gold throughout the Angela Carter one, just like as in the castle is covered with tons of gold things because he's a very wealthy man. Like her bathtub taps are gold, um, which is like uh, blows our little bride's mind because, you know, she's coming from somewhere that didn't have that. He has a gold watch. Um, Yeah, this I don't know. Other than like, Maybe relating to something that birds find. Like, I know crows like shiny things. Um, mm. Like the magpie reference. Mm-hmm. I don't know what to make of the fact that she talks about teeth exactly either. I mean, like, the thoughts that instantly come to mind are, like, one, it could just be Joanna inserting her own brutal vision uh, of this story. Mm-hmm. Like, it is just a fucking terrible detail to have this like other body part that hasn't been mentioned, um, like decorating this room, gilding this room. Mm -hmm. But also like it brings to mind too the idea that like the women who have gold teeth were probably well off enough women. Right. Like, and so there's like some element of greed here, just like this ceaseless greed of like, yeah, just like this insatiable, like I just need more and more and more all the time. The woman and her body aren't enough. It has to be a fucking gold-plated body. Yes. Like, oh my God, it's enough. Stop with your excess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I also have the line, like, or the note, like, was it that these women had been fed very rich lies? Like, mm-hmm. is it that their teeth are gold because they were eating such... Uh, such detailed, such heavy untruths by, by this partner. Mm. Um, I think someone on Genius had said too that like uh, the character of Bluebeard is a collector of sorts and is collecting, you know, their many body parts, maybe teeth, but is surely collecting women in some sense. Yeah. Um, yeah. I love the first line here, like, well, I have never seen such a terrible room. Like, I should hope Hmm. not. I should hope that this is, like, the first. (laughs) This is the worst room I've seen. Ever. And I hope no (laughs) one ever has to see this again. Like, yeah, fucking awful. Um, I just looked up gold teeth as you were talking there. And, I mean, it's just gold teeth symbolism. Mm Mm-hmm. And basically, it's just like, yep, some cultures use it as status symbols, which is like, yes, it's gold. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I also love the the first line as, like, this proclamation. It also has that same franticness, that same frantic, like, musicality stuff happening um, as the Mekong verse mm-hmm. and the I Will Give You a Call verse. And it, like is so appropriate here to feel frantic because like I take this to be the discover the verse where she discovers this room where she discovers who this guy like actually actually is even though she's like had her suspicions I'm actually not even convinced that this song happens in like a super chronological order or oh anything. yeah I think it's yeah more like loose than that but I at least get the vibes here where she's come across this room being like what the actual fuck yeah <laughs> <laughs> what is this yeah. And and it's not even just like oh the the 
it's not even just gold teeth of women. It's the gold teeth of the women who loved you. Like this acknowledgement that like they were just like me. Like it's these aren't just like strangers or like people you can write off. Like they loved you. They cared about you. And now look at them. Look what happened. Ugh. Ugh. Yeah. Ugh is right. And then here too, she's acknowledging that she's going to die, which I think, again, is just very much in line with the Bluebeard myth. Once the woman discovers the room, she's like doomed to death or at least seemingly doomed to death. And she's like, look, even though I'm going to die, this I bequeath this I'm going to leave you with. Like, so first magpie, the idea there, I think, is just like magpies are known for being like sort of like frivolous and like wanting a bunch of gold shit, wanting a bunch of jewels. Yeah. Genius uh, does really well with this actually Mm. Um, and says exactly that. Like magpies, there's there's some disagreement here. Collect things. Um, Magpies have uh, very few partners in their lifespans, but are fairly monogamous versus jays who mate for life. Um, Interesting. Oh, I hadn't read this before. Yeah. Um, Magpies oops. have high rates of divorce. I don't know. That would be such a cool job to watch magpies and see what their divorce rate is. Like, that's really <laughs> um, But Blue Jays, on the other hand, stick to their partners for life. So if that's the, the reference we're going with, then I would assume that the Jay is um, our narrator and the magpie is the partner. But... Um, hmm. how, does she, how does she sing it here? And now, though I die, Magpie is by the other name of Jay. Mm. So it's my assumption that our narrator is speaking to the magpie. Yeah. Calling him a magpie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I also like this um, on that same genius annotation where it's written that Magpies also sing very complex songs and are sometimes long-winded people that are referred to as magpies. Um, So, uh, also, finally, magpies are referenced in One for Sorrow, where seeing a single magpie brings about sorrow. Um, But I like the idea of, I mean, in the genius annotation, the person thinks that maybe they're referring to themselves. The narrators may be referring to herself as a magpie because of this songwriting thing. But just earlier in this song, we had her talking about the um, loneliness of you mighty men with your uh, jaws and fists and guitars and pens. So we've already had this image of the, the man in this song being painted as a songwriter, maybe, or a musician in some way. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. By any other name, a J is still blue. So to me, she's saying, because like if magpies are a kind of J in the same family as J's, she's saying like in my head, I don't actually know. This is like complete speculation. But um, she's saying like, look, you can call yourself whatever you want or you can like decorate yourself up as whatever you want or you can put on whatever of the many facades we've seen already, you can do all of that, put on all these fronts, but like no matter what, you're still fucking sad. You're not going to be yes. satisfied still. Yeah, I think that's that's the most important takeaway from here for sure. That no matter what form you're presenting yourself in on a Tuesday, you're still the same <laughs> yeah. fucking guy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, uh, just like a quick tidbit, I... Like, remember that magpies symbolize, like, frivolity, mm. frivolity, because of, like, a tweet that I saw on Instagram once. A tweet like, on Instagram? Oh, I know. Yeah, like, I don't actually ever go yeah. on Twitter. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but the person had said, I think she was, like, a historian or something, but she had tweeted, like, just a quick reminder, uh, like, women get rings and jewels, um 
like as wedding, I'm butchering this, but women get like rings and jewels and stuff as wedding gifts and have traditionally, not because women are frivolous magpies, but rather because they needed something to be able to sell in a pinch. So they needed to be able to have something tangible that if their like husbands fucked off or died or like just decided they weren't worth sticking around, that they had something to be like, hey, I need some way to survive. So like here I can sell this. And get something for it. Yeah. So I love that my memory of the symbolism of magpies is also tied to fucking gender and men just being flaky. The mention (laughs) of the ring also makes me think of one of the um, fairy tales I read in my notes. And this one is by the Brothers Grimm. It's called The Robber Bridegroom. Mm. And... uh, So, you know, it's a variation on the same kind of tale. A miller wishes to marry his daughter off. A rich suitor appears. One day, the suitor complains that the daughter never visits him. He tells her that he lives in the forest and overrides her reluctance to visit by telling her he will leave a trail of ashes. Uh, Blah, blah, blah. They lead her to a dark and silent house. A bird in a cage calls out, Turn back, turn back, thou bonny bride, nor in this house of death abide. Um, An uh, brothers Grimm stories man an old woman in a <laughs> cellar kitchen tells her that the people there will kill her and eat her unless the old woman protects her and hides her behind a cask a band of robbers arrives with a young woman whom they kill and prepare to eat when one chops off a finger to get the golden ring on it the finger and the ring fly through the air and land in the lap of the hiding woman um the old woman drugs the robber's wine, and then the women flee once they fall asleep. Um, and then she's convinced that this was all just a dream. Um, maybe not as related as I originally thought, but... Um, Interesting still. That, that reminds me of um, Hansel and Gretel a little bit. Yes. Hansel and Greta? Greta? Is that it? Hansel and Gretel? The version that I know Gretel? is Hansel and Gretel, but like, yeah, you no, know, that's, sorry. it was, I'm sure, just like the English <laughs> reinterpretation of what the actual story was. Um, yeah, that's what I was trying to say, too. I think I just uh, just had a brain blip. Yeah. But interesting that in that one, too, the, the warning comes from a bird. Um, Very interesting. Yeah, which I don't think is something we see anywhere else. In Joanna? Oh, in Joanna for sure, but like in these blue oh, beard okay. um, oh, oh, oh. retellings, yes, I don't think there's any mention of like a warning. Right. It makes me think of the, I forget what we determined it was, but the crow slash raven slash blackbird sitting on the window in East mm. as being this like dark omen. Yeah. That's a good question. I don't remember. That was a while ago. Ugh feels like forever ago yeah. although we are getting close to our year our year anniversary so it might have been an actual while ago <laughs> which is mind-blowing because when Dude, we, i can't believe that so the way that this started was nikki just texted me asking like is this something <laughs> you would want to do and i was like uh probably not <laughs> like that's that's a lot to do and so i think the deal that we made was like we'll go for six months or something and we'll try and do an episode a week for six months and see how it goes and like yeah going pretty well i think (laughs) we're still going i love this little podcast of ours oh it's still the best part of my month my week for sure but like it's so funny to think of us um especially the first few times we recorded how much we had to drink to like get ourselves (laughs) confident enough to talk about anything we were so nervous for forever for the first long time which i get i get it's like going on record about joanna newson the best thing that's ever happened to the world grain of salt grain of salt (laughs) this record is made of water it doesn't really exist it's smoke (laughs) in the abyss like (laughs) exactly (laughs) also a couple people have asked us recently if we think or if we know that a new album is coming and like I swear, if we did, we would tell you. <laughs> like, oh my god! It's we like of no special access to anything. No, if she sent us a DM and was like, "Hey guys, like here's the new album. Don't tell anyone. <laughs> we would die, <laughs> and then you'd never hear from us again." Um, 
Uh, if Joanna's people are listening, you should do that. We could totally keep that secret. You should do it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm shocked at the level of confidence with which you said we could totally keep Shh, that. I don't necessarily mean it. I just want okay. We could we could keep that secret. Yeah, yeah. We, we could, could do it. it. <laughs> but also would love some some new songs to listen to. So. Oh know. my god! I, I no will, pressure. Uh, I can't even okay. talk about it. No uh, pressure. Okay, anything else about teeth or loving magpies <laughs> and jays? I don't think so. You? I don't think so. I want to say something about, like, gold as related to the value of these women that he never really saw but like it's an argument that doesn't have much much weight um no i totally i think it does have weight i think like or like that these women are only valuable to him once they're like gilding his fucking wall but like the value is there inside the whole time mm. That's sad. Did you see the rat come back? I oh, I saw. Now I'm just paranoid. I saw a flicker of something. I like you saw it in my face. <laughs> I did see it in your face. It was just like, oh, concern. Um, one thing that's interesting is I'm just looking at the the Wikipedia page for the White Dove, which is a French fairy tale that is mm. related to Bluebeard, and it says. People were customarily buried in their wedding clothes so that her statements that she was dressing in them was uh, to be resigned to death. So, like, the fact that... Um, okay, so this story goes, a woman wouldn't marry except to a man with a blue beard. One day, this blue-bearded man comes to her house. She decides to marry him. Uh, her husband was very rich, which is, like, such a constant theme throughout all these retellings. Um... Oh, and I love this. Her mother considered what to give her as a wedding gift and decided on three doves. She should send messages by the red dove if she were well and living peaceably with her husband, by the white if she were ill, or by the black if she were unfortunate or in discord with her husband, which I guess means like they're not having a good time. Yeah. Her husband went hunting and gave her nine keys, forbidding her to use one. She used it and found bodies of eight women hanging up which is, I think, the art I had on my background. <laughs> oh, God, time. that was such scary art. Oh, my yeah. God. She dropped oh, the key, yeah. and it was stained with blood. Her husband demanded the keys and told her to go put on her finery because she would die. Okay, the woman sent off the black dove and set the... Oh, I love that this, in this retelling, the doves are, like, on our narrator's side. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so the white dove was sent to We're watch the roof. Um... And the dove's like helping her get dressed in her wedding gown. But anyway, I love the idea that the second our narrator puts on a wedding dress, they're resigned to death, which is yeah. true. Um, yeah. For all of these, these women that he's married, the second they were um, at this point in time owned by him, like a property of his, um, he was able that to do whatever. Their fate. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I like that too. That's so uh, brutal and foreboding, but like exactly what the position of these women were, was. The positions of these women were. English is hard. Okay. Um, oh, as you were talking and you brought up your background last time, which Sam's background, I don't remember if we talked about this, was just like heads hanging from hooks, which was absolutely terrifying. And like it, wasn't, it wasn't very realistic. It was like a sketch. No. So like I'm yeah, not. Sorry. <laughs> it's just like, not that brutal. Yeah. <laughs> Still scary, but Still yeah, scary. a drawing of this. Okay, but oh my God, I forgot that I forgot to bring this up. I'm so glad that you reminded me of that background because... I don't know how connected this is and I but I think of it like all of the time so in the there we go there it is uh in the stories one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. there's probably eight uh in like the whole picture yeah. um do you remember Sam if in the uh uh bloody chamber how are the women displayed in these mm. rooms? Like one of them was in like a closet or something, right? Or like you. a cupboard. Okay. 
Were any of them on hooks? I think they were on hooks maybe in the original. Okay. So I think there's only three bodies in the bloody chamber. Yeah. Um, so it goes like this. In the center of the room... Um, okay. So in the center of the room, there was a body within a jar a four foot high jar um and then there was the opera singer who was laying under a sheet okay that's right i think the opera singer was his most recent wife only three months ago because she had been preserved in some way Uh, like her body is fully there um, and then there is a skull. Oh, okay. A skull. A skull where she looks at it and she's like, I know she was beautiful. And this skull was strung up by a system of unseen cords that it appeared to hang disembodied in the still heavy air. And it had been crowned with a wreath of white roses and a veil of lace. The final image of his bride. Oh, okay. And then the Romanian countess, who was actually the most recent wife. Um, Oh, at first I could see no sign of her. Oh. And she, her body is inside of an Iron Maiden. Um, Right. Which, if I remember correctly, is like, um, like a coffin with spikes. Yes, a coffin-shaped box lined with iron spikes. Jesus Christ. So there's four (sighs) bodies in this one. Okay, so I just looked it up, um, and the original Bluebeard one, they are on hooks. Mm. The former wives were hanging on hooks from the walls. Right, And that always brings to mind for me the... Like, it puts this fucking really dark spin on the line. I'm in love with the hook upon oh. which everyone hangs from earlier in, uh, what is it, 81 or something? Um. Oh, no, no. Uh, good Intentions, I think, not 81. Anyway, um, yeah, so it, like... I, I think I've said this before, but I always love the idea that stuff that Joanna sings later in the album could then like go back and inform what we heard at the beginning of the album. Like mm. knowing what we know now, like the tone of the song can change. I think that's such a brilliant writing technique. And I don't know if she's doing it with the hook upon which everyone hangs thing here. But man, I love that if it's true. It just puts this oh darkness does it ever because the rest so it's uh good intentions and it's and there is hesitation and it always remains concerning you me and the rest of the gang in the context of go long the rest of the gang is all of these women and in our quiet hour i feel i see everything so that perspective of like fuck like the big picture is pretty grim um and I am in like love I've with come the hook. to know who you are. Yes. Oh, yeah, and then you ranged real hot and real cold. Yeah. Like I really like that idea. Ooh, I mean it's an awful idea, but it's like brilliant. <laughs> yeah. That's a really cool connection. I, I hope she was doing that. And I know um, you meant to show the extent to which you gave a god dang. Which I take to mean in this context again. Like you were just trying to show me that you loved me. That, like, I've broken your trust by not doing uh, explicitly what you commanded of me. Yeah. Ugh. Ugh. Yeah, ugh is right. Ugh. Just a bunch of groans from us at the end of the song. (laughs) I mean, it is, I'll say it again, one of my, if not my favorite Joanna Newsom song of all time. So, yeah. uh, do I love it a little more? Love it a little less? Knowing <laughs> how brutal it is, I can't tell you, but more. it's a good one. It's a good one. 
anything All else right. about the terrible I room? I don't think so. Okay. Uh, is it my turn? Uh, yeah. Okay. So this next verse starts with the line or the word with. So just to put it in context, I'll just read the last mm-hmm. line of the last verse. So a J is still blue with the loneliness of you mighty men with your mighty kiss that might never, never end while so far away in the seat of the West burns the fount of the heat of that loneliness. So important to note that a J is still blue with the loneliness of you mighty men. Um, Yeah, that's a good one. Ah, I I start to get scared to talk about these last two verses because I am way less sure. I have fewer theories about what are, is going on here. Um. Uh, okay. I honestly don't have a single note for any of these last two verses. <laughs> uh, one, because I just didn't get there in time, but two, because I don't know what the fuck to say, but... Um, yeah, I think important to note that the J is still, the J is blue with loneliness and, you know, that could be applied to either our narrator or the partner. Um, the mighty kiss here is like the kiss of death. Um, oh, a, interesting. A, in my mind, at least the kiss that never ends. Um, oh, I've never thought of that. Fount is a word I just had to look up because I didn't know. Is it like source? Yeah, a source of a desirable quality or commodity. Um, But in the literary sense, it's used as a spring or a fountain, which is interesting. Um, So the source of the heat of that loneliness. So the heat, the source of the heat of the loneliness is coming from the West. From the seat of the West. From the seat of the West. So the leader of whatever's happening in the West. Um, I'm taking seat as in like throne. Um, yeah. Commanding chair. Captain's yeah. seat. I don't know. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, uh, <laughs> so, okay. So in my head at least, and this is like so speculative you guys, but so I guess if it's so far away then I think maybe she's positioning herself in the east or maybe like where they now are or something in the east but she's saying so far away in the seat of the west burns the source of the heat of that loneliness so for me it's like this like western world that shaped you that molded you like that is the source of all of like the fire and again like we've talked about in only skin a lot how fire has this like sort of dual or maybe has this dual symbolism or might <laughs> uh where it's like this like fiery passion that makes it really attractive but also it fucking burns you right mm-hmm. and it's not uh sustainable at all and so that's sort of what i picture her talking about here is like this like masculinity this like source of the loneliness is like these cultural dynamics that are so like uh, attractive in the sense that like we are drawn towards them, but also that fucking burn us that like uh, just we're doomed. So I, yeah, I'm picturing the seat of the West being like the States or something here. I'm not sure. And that it's those, those values and those things that shape you that end up burning you in the end. Yeah. Um, and it's something that is inescapable and is not necessarily your choice but uh also maybe not excusable like just because you were you know formed this way doesn't mean that any of the rest of the story is justified um right i think that's what i get anyway yeah Interesting that you said never, never end, because that's what I have on my Google Doc. But in the official lyrics, it's a single never. Oh, uh, that might never end. Small, small difference, but. 
But I'm always interested in those differences. Mm-hmm. I th- yeah, she sings. So our, our lyrics are both from the what she sings on Joanna Newsom, official Joanna Newsom lyrics or yeah. whatever. Yeah, she definitely sings it twice. Mm-hmm. Never, never. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm curious too what, like, yes, yeah, so I really like your death interpretation of the, the mighty kiss of death that might never, never end. Um, I just like, less smartly (laughs) took it literally just being like this um enduring love that she's like got from him that like this will forever impact her and like shape her life in some kind of way but like also like so the kids will never end in terms of like she'll never forget this she'll never not be changed by this experience with him but also also it will it will end in in the literal literal sense um, I'm laughing to myself here because I just <laughs> Googled kiss of death. And the first Wikipedia article that comes up is the kiss of death from the mafia. <laughs> I know you love a Sopranos reference. So <laughs> I um, sure do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it says the exact origin is unknown. Okay. And this like, but an Italian source, what does that mean? <laughs> identifies the kiss of death as the kiss given to the assassin delegated to execute a death sentence as if to seal the solemn judgment and to wish success on the assignment. Some believe it refers to the kiss of Judas, which was given to Jesus to betray him to the soldiers seeking him out. Interesting. Oh, very, very interesting with all of our betrayal talk. Oh, totally. The kiss of Ju- Judas. I forgot about that. I know nothing about this. And this is a piece of art that I've never seen either. Um, I think it's that Judas kisses Jesus to like indicate to the people who are going to kill Jesus that like, this is the guy, this is the, uh, this is the guy you should be killing. Mm. So like J- Judas betrays Jesus with a kiss. I know that from Bob Dylan too. <laughs> <laughs> A good one. Okay. What were we talking about even? Uh, Mighty Kisses of Uh, Death. Yes. Okay. Um, I just looked up Mighty Kiss, like in quotation marks on Google, just to see if it's a thing. Mm -hmm. It looks like it's a song by a band called Relax A Wave. So Mm -hmm. I don't think she's maybe referring to that. (laughs) And that's all I can find (laughs) on it. Maybe, maybe not. Uh, Okay. More broadly, a Judas kiss may refer to an act appearing to be an act of friendship, which is in fact harmful to the recipient, which makes a lot of sense as it's the betrayal of Christ. But Mm -hmm. also makes a lot of sense as in uh, like this relationship that has gone so super awfully sour. Yeah. Um, and it is the same way as I think uh, we framed like the wedding clothes, like once that wedding dress was on, once they've shared their first kiss or consummated this marriage, like shit's, shit's fucked. There's only yeah. one direction this can go in. It's almost the kiss itself that's like, it's not, but like it's close to being the case that the kiss itself is the thing that is doing the betraying yes. in the same way. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, what? Yeah, that's really all I have for this verse. I don't have anything. I want to say more, but I don't know what else to say. So far away in the seat of the West burns the fount of the heat of that loneliness. Yeah, I mean, you can refer back to our Only Skin episodes where we talk about fire (laughs) for like 16 fucking hours, so. Yep. Okay, last verse. Oh my God, I can't believe we're going to do this. I love this song, but we've talked about it for like two months now. <laughs> it's crazy. We've never talked about a song this long before. It's nuts. And I it's, mean, it's worth it, but whole Yeah. Man. Yeah. And part of it was that uh, I think we didn't feel confident enough in our interpretations <laughs> and still don't to like um, keep moving through it. Like the last time we recorded, I think we talked for like less than two hours and we're like, oh, that's enough. All done. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh shit (sighs) do you want to read the last one here you do it please and she sings 
the final verse of Go Long. There's a man who only will speak in code, backing slowly, slowly down the road. May he master everything that such men may know about loving and then letting go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. The first stuff I have to say about this is like, this is like, I don't know. I've been, I think I've expressed this on this podcast. I've been a little bit disenchanted with uh, genius lately, but genius was very helpful to me on this verse because mm. I wouldn't have known uh, that that there are references here to Will Oldham, so a uh, drag city guy, uh, along with Joanna. I think we mentioned that name in one of the episodes recently. I think it might have been the very beginning of Go Long, where we were like, hey, at the end of Go Long? <laughs> I'm not sure. But uh, I will just read the names of the albums that she might be hinting at here. Sure. So one of them is ease down the road um oh by the way he goes by bonnie prince billy mm, right it's his stage name so ease down the road so backing slowly slowly down the road um another of his albums is called master and everyone so maybe oh. the master everything and then the other album that is referenced in this genius post is called the letting go uh so obviously loving and then letting go <laughs> And those are almost too perfectly woven in here to ignore. Yeah. Like, yeah, it, it seems intentional. Yeah, but who knows? On Genius, it says, Joanna Newsom's ex-boyfriend will old them. Mm. But I don't think that that's yeah, a thing. That's not I mean, we don't need to talk about it, but yeah. also I don't think it happened. Uh, yeah. I love here the idea of the man who only will speak in code, like... It just brings to mind to me more masculinity where it's like everything's fucking cryptic and it's mm. like none of it is straightforward and we're not addressing any of these issues face on. I have to like be my woman, like feminine self and like fucking be obsessed with deciphering your code because you can't fucking make anything straightforward for me. You're just like fostering this obsession. And the idea that men in this context are using a language that is coded that women just can't access, um, that their language has an aspect to it that we, that our narrator is not privy to. And um, like, that's part of the reason why we're in this situation. Um, yeah. And, you know, it also just makes me think of like the education that, our narrator in the bloody chamber would have had and like uh you know at what level is she understanding everything that's going on um because uh the partner in the bloody chamber is and has always been of someone with a very uh well-educated uh great yeah. circumstance kind of background and you know, it makes me wonder uh, really what kind of things he might have said to her that could have clued her in if the language wasn't so coded towards masculinity. Yeah. I like the education point. There's that one scene in the bloody chamber where sh the bloody chamber where um, the woman finds like what she describes as being like porn. Like, do you remember when she like comes across like the book and it's like full of naked ladies and she's kind of appalled. And then the Bluebeard character comes in and he's like, simultaneously, he's described as being like appalled that she's like been sort of like going through his shit. But also he's delighted at the fact that she's like disgusted at what she finds. Mm. And then he also has this part where he like speaks down to her there where he's like, that is whatever famous fucking shit I have and from the 17th century or whatever it is mm -hmm. um and she's like oh it's like this like a reevaluating of like how she's supposed to feel based on what he's telling her right um, yeah and you know it makes sense because she's likely to not have seen anything like that before yeah. and it makes sense that she would be shocked and like not really sure what to think about that yeah 
Yeah, and just speaks to the inaccessibility of like, ah, uh, like I always have to temper my reactions yes. to your shit because like who knows what's going on? It's yeah. indecipherable to me. That's such a good point too because I remember in the bloody chamber there when he is he's found the key with the blood on it. He sees the mark on her forehead. Um, he knows what she's found. Um, he says to her, like, you are the martyr now. Like, this is what you mm. need to do. And she says to him very calmly, like, what form will my martyrdom take? Yeah. Um, and it's not panicked. It's not worried. It's just like straight fact. She knows exactly because she's seen the room gilded with the teeth. Yeah. Um, she knows exactly what the next step is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what is it that such men may know? I think to me, at least here, it's that such men, by the way, such men is Joanna Newsom's version of hashtag not all men. <laughs> the ones I think who are you're like right this. about that. Yeah. yeah. Like I'm not speaking to everyone, only bluebeards. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I, I take this to be that what such men may know about loving and letting go is that like they are practiced at it and they have to do it all the time. So there has to be some kind of coping mechanism because it would be too much to be fully invested all of, into all of these relationships and then letting go. So it gives me the image again of what we got in no provenance with this guy nodding sadly at the lame assault of this horse on the steady old gate because he has this arrangement with fate. And so what such men may know to me here means like some sort of way of detaching yourself and resigning yourself to the fact that life is just fucking sad. And like, I'm not going to get too invested in anything because I'm going to have to let her go real soon. Mm -hmm. uh, what do you think? I really like that. And I don't know if it's in contrast or in compliment to uh, the partner's the bluebeard's reaction to, uh, like we mentioned earlier, when she says she'll marry him, and he immediately mm. like is excited and upset, and um, that starts this whole pattern over again. The um, sigh. Yeah, but it it's a I think they described it as guilty and yeah, excited yeah. and. Um, you know, it kind of resigns him to this character who is forced to keep on going with this. Um, yeah. May he master everything that such men may know about loving and then letting go. I don't know. I don't know if it's like a, a play at, like, I hope you can do this more gently in the future. Um, like, I hope you're able to let go more easily. I hope mm. you're able to, you're able to love less hard or yeah. something like, um, there was a line on genius about the backing slowly that I really liked too. Mm. I think it was just saying that like someone who is, um, backing up slowly is like, let's see if I can is like backing away. Oh, he backs slowly down the road because he is a coward who can't confront his problems. And mm. he is also more moving further from what he wants without realizing it. Um, they also say like the end of this song is her feeling sorry for him, wishing him the best hopes that he can heal himself, which I don't know if I necessarily feel the soriness there. Um, I don't know. I think that there is like a, uh, not a soreness exactly, but like a, like she's cut herself off. Yes. Like she's not, she's Some no longer detachment. invested. Yeah. Yeah. Like if this is and what you're going to keep doing, you yeah. can count and me out. And I genuinely out. hope, yeah, yeah. You can count me out and I genuinely hope that you like hurt yourself as, as little as you have to, as little as you can, mm -hmm. if you're going to continue down this path. Yeah. 
and you get sort of like a zoomed out vibe from the way that she's describing this like there's a man like not it's not you anymore it's it's her talking to someone else than she has been through this whole song mm-hmm. um because we're not talking to you we're talking just that there's a man yeah and i i like the genius thing of saying that like like he's not just going slowly down the road; he's backing, yes, slowly down the road, which makes it feel like he's backing away f- from her. But she's not going after him; like she's letting him go. Backing away just also makes me think of like on uh, a less threatening level, crows. Like crows have only attacked me when I'm not <laughs> looking at them, so I've learned oh. to back away from them. But also, like mountain lions will only attack you from behind. Um, yeah. There is this, like, you're seeing the thing as a threat. Yes. So, like, the man is, like, backing away from a threat. Interesting. And I like the idea that that threat is that she uh, isn't as passive as she once was. And that, like, now that she has seen the full picture that yeah. that's threatening and it that's would dangerous it's him. dangerous and it would be to yeah. bluebeard because i don't know if we've mentioned this but the ending of a bloody chamber is fucking fantastic um do you remember the ending so remember i never uh, there was like a paragraph left that i didn't that i didn't get to do you remember and you told me at the very beginning of like the first recording on this so Oh, so we did talk about it, that the ending is like her, our narrator's mother. Um, and it's like the, the, the story with the doves too, um, where, and the Fitcher's Egg where the sisters come to save her. And I think the oh, original yeah. Bluebeard where yeah. like this dove is sent up. Somehow the mother knows that um, shit's gone bad and... Um, and in my mind, it's like this incredible scene where the mother shows up with like her hair flowing and reminds me of yeast in the same way. Hmm. Um, or she's on horseback. Oh, man. I cast one last desperate glance from the window and like a miracle, I saw a horse and rider galloping at a speed along the causeway. Though the waves crashed now, high as the horse's fetlocks, a rider, her black skirts tucked up around her waist so she could ride quite hard and fast, like a crazy, magnificent horsewoman in widow's weeds. <laughs> like, it's so good. Horsewoman, man. And then the mother comes and shoots the Bluebeard character with her uh, husband's gun. Mm. Um, the, the father of our narrator who has died. Um, and it's so good. And then blah, blah, blah. She goes on to live with the piano tuner, which is like fine. Um, <laughs> but, um, on her eight, oh, it's, I love this. Now, without a moment's hesitation, she raised my father's gun, took aim and put a single irreproachable bullet through my husband's head. And that's it. And then she just talks about like what um, life is like post Bluebeard. Post Bluebeard. But like, wow, not a happy ending, but like very (laughs) satisfying for the reader, I think. Very satisfying. I find it obviously endlessly interesting that like the horse plays a pivotal role in the rescuing of this woman, given all the fucking symbolism we've been talking about with horses on this album like i obviously love that (laughs) and also makes me wonder about the mother because the mother is described as wild and it makes me wonder if that uh like the mother is able to i don't know what happened to her father but it makes me wonder if the mother is able to speak this coded language of masculinity Mm. and like understood exactly what the fuck was happening Mm. um and knew the precise she's seen it before she's seen it all before exactly she's a widow like who knows how her how her husband died i don't think it's been here died in war did it i don't know i that's my memory but who knows i don't remember it's been a while since yeah since we've read it now but uh that it's a woman who saves her is just something that i love i love that too um, I think it's interesting that in Go Long, there is no saving scene. Mm-hmm. Like, we really get the impression she saves herself here because yes. 
which is fucking great. Um, and it's not like the next song starts with a saving scene either. Like our next no. song is Occident and it starts with like, mercy me, the night is long. Like shit's not getting better. Yeah. Immediately. It's not just like, oh, everything's good now. I've left. Yeah, yeah exactly. It's <laughs> it's hard. Yeah. I'm excited for Occident. Me too. We did it. We did go long. Oh my God. Yes. You deserve a round of applause. This is crazy. If you guys have listened to this whole thing, you also deserve a round of <laughs> yes. applause. Holy shit. For sure. Thank you for being here. Thank you so, so much for being here. You know where you can find us. We have an Instagram that I post on sometimes that is called A Hopeless Endeavor Podcast, E-N-D-E-A-V-O-R. We have a uh, an email address where you can submit whatever you like to us, big or small. It is a hopeless endeavor at gmail.com. And we have a Facebook group, which Nikki runs, which is, I mean, I don't run it anymore, but a hopeless endeavor. I joined some podcast. Um, I thought to myself when I was editing or when I was posting last weekend's stuff, that I'm actually going to link to all of these things, which I should have been doing the whole goddamn time in the description. So in the show notes, I'll have like our email, I'll have our Instagram. So if you uh, want, you can check it out there. Yes. Um, We have a Patreon. You guys can find bonus episodes there and you can find early releases to episodes. Um, So go check that out again. I'll link in the show notes. If you can't afford uh the patreon level at which you get the bonus episodes shoot us an email we'll send them to you for free yeah uh rate and review us if you guys have a chance to yes we love reading those reviews yes we got a new one today i got the alert and it was really sweet so thank you it was someone from britain which blows my mind that technology is everywhere (laughs) Um. so yeah thank you for doing that if you've done that if you haven't we would love to hear from you it makes our hearts happy uh, thank you for listening to part 1,000 million of Go Long. We did it. Stay did tuned it. for Occident eventually. Occident. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Same.